Jesus, we come in agreement tonight, Lord God, that you are a wonderful God. And Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. And we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so we worship you tonight in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You might as well close your eyes. They're singing honor and praise. Glory and power and strength. They're singing honor and praise to your name, to your name. They're singing honor and praise, glory and power and strength. They're singing honor and praise to your name. Your name, Tyler, oh, Tyler, oh, Tyler, oh, bless your name, bless your name, Tyler, bless your name and we give you all the glory and all the honor and the praise that you deserve Jesus name amen just one thing as Micah comes remember we have communion Sunday so come with the right hearts attitude amen and no church next Wednesday amen amen don't forget
check, check. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You got me now? All right. Well, we'll just jump right into it. Got a little bit of an intro here. So tonight I'm going to be teaching on praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. I've wanted to teach on the infilling of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues for a long time now. It's something I've felt that you know, so many people outside of the full gospel, Pentecostal background don't really always understand, and frankly, some of them don't want to understand. I've grown up seeing so many Christians ridicule spirit-filled believers for praying in tongues and the gift of tongues. They mock and say, it's, you know, your typical things you hear. It's, oh, you know, it's just, it's of the devil, or it's gibberish, or you're just misinterpreting scripture. But those are just your typical fleshly emotional responses that don't have any understanding. They get offended, they say those things, but in reality they've never been shown the scripture, never been taught on it, or even tried to understand it. Isn't it funny, too, how many will mock it, but never have the scriptures to back it up, their opinion? And if they do use scripture, it's usually out of context. I'm not really starting out on an encouraging, nice note, am I? If you leave a church and come to a new one, this is something I've seen growing up and it's always frustrated me. Don't show up expecting it to be the same as the one you just left. If the new church is teaching on something, like praying in tongues or they're just praying in tongues, instead of throwing an emotional fit, soften your heart and be teachable because you'll never mature spiritually and advance your relationship with Jesus with a closed and hardened mind and heart. Proverbs 18.2 says a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about our emotions and they come from our heart. So a fool doesn't care for gaining understanding, he just speaks from his emotions. Proverbs 18.13 says he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. I like the New Living Translation that says spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So when someone shows up to a church that's teaching on praying in tongues or they're praying in the Spirit and they get offended and spout off emotionally and don't don't seek after understanding, the Bible says they are fools. Harsh, yeah, but it's the truth. I heard someone say once, I don't want my kids indoctrinated with that praying in tongues stuff. I hate to break it to you, but that's foolish. And you're definitely a fool if you don't want your kids filled with the Word of God and spiritual gifts from God that will benefit them all their lives. It's always frustrated me and made me so angry to hear people mock praying in tongues because it's not me or another believer they're mocking. They're mocking the living Word of God and they are mocking the Holy Spirit. And to be mocking the Holy Spirit as a Christian is not a good position to be in. I believe one of the most damaging things Satan has done to so much of the church in America and to so many believers is deceiving them into believing that praying in in tongues is of the devil or it's unscriptural or isn't for them. And the effect of it is, when Christians get deceived by Satan's lies like that, is now Christians that lack a powerful gift from God, a powerful weapon from God that can benefit them the rest of their lives. They don't understand their spirit being and how their spirits are to have communion with God through their spirits. In return, these Christians are led by their mind, will, and emotions instead of their spirit, like we talked about a few weeks ago. So let this be a warning to you and to anyone listening. I lost my place. Don't let your hearts be hardened. Don't be a fool and be led by your emotions. Open your heart. Be teachable to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to the gifts of the Spirit. And I promise you that you will gain understanding, you will benefit from it, and you will grow and be made stronger. 
So let's get into it. What is praying in tongues? It's a few different things. I'm going to give three of those things tonight. Number one, it's a sign. It's a sign that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, right? It always manifests itself when you are filled with the Spirit. When you've, been, have, when you've had hands laid on you to be filled with the Spirit, it manifests itself as evidence that you have been filled. Number two, it's a gift. And number three, I believe it's a weapon. It's a spiritual weapon. So let's look at number one, the fact that it's a sign. So if you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, you all know this scripture. Mark chapter 16. I guess I don't know why I'm opening it when I have it written out on my paper here, but that's all right. Okay, starting in verse 15. So just a little bit here first. Um, Here Jesus is sitting with his 11 disciples at the table, and he's rebuking their unbelief for not believing those who had seen him after he had risen. He gives them these directions. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Right? You hear all kinds of Christians quoting that, but then they skip over the next few verses here. And when you mention these next few verses, they get a kind of a puzzled look on their face even. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So you see verse 17 said these signs will follow those who believe. One of the signs being speaking in new tongues. Some will say, well, don't you know, that just means when you're born again, you don't talk the way you used to. You know, you don't swear or complain like the way you used to. That might be true and that might be good, but that's not what this is referring to because this is referring to supernatural signs. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural sign. How about the, I can hear someone saying, well, that just means you have the ability to learn new languages. No. You know why I say no? Because, again, it's not a supernatural sign. It's not a spiritual thing to learn how to speak Spanish. It's not a supernatural thing to learn how to speak Spanish or French or whatever. Learning how to speak Spanish, I already said that, okay. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural sign that comes out of your spirit, not your own mind or intellect, right? You learn how to speak Spanish or French with your mind and your intellect, not your spirit. So speaking in tongues isn't your mind praying, it's not the Holy Spirit praying, it's the Holy Spirit giving your spirit utterance, okay? So there was actually just an example of this. There was a study done at a university back east somewhere. You can find the video on YouTube, actually, and it's come up on my Instagram feed, a pastor talking about it. And they did a study, um, and the frontal lobe of the brain is what controls speech, right? And so they hooked up all these electrodes to the frontal lobe of the brain, and they had a person pray in their native tongue or English, and then they'd have them pray in tongues. When they'd pray in English, there's all kinds of signals from the electrodes because it was the frontal lobe of the brain controlling the speech. They'd switch and pray in the spirit, and the signals weren't there. And the picture of the brain wasn't lit up like it, the x-ray of the brain or whatever wasn't lit up in the front lobe part of the brain like it was when they were praying in English. So that's proof that when you're praying in the spirit, it's not your mind. It's your spirit praying. Okay? I also want you to take note of the first line of verse 17 in that chapter says these signs will follow those who believe. Verse 
verse 16, he says those who believe will be saved, referring to what he said in verse 15 where he says preach the gospel to every creature. So to every creature who believes, they will be saved and these signs will follow them. Every creature. Repeat, say every creature. Every creature. creature. See, I've heard of some churches who say praying in tongues is just for leadership. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say these signs will only follow church leadership or the fivefold ministry gift. It says these signs will follow all those that believe. But you have to believe, and you have to believe he is a supernatural God and that he has given you authority to walk in these signs. In, in these signs. You might believe in Jesus and be saved, but I heard a minister say this, and I thought it was so good. It's really simple. If you don't believe in signs, wonders, and miracles... Signs, wonders, and miracles will never follow you. So you have to believe God is a powerful, wonder-working God. Think about how Dad has been preaching and teaching on how big our God is, right? He's a big, supernatural God. And he has given these signs, wonders, and miracles for us to walk in. Okay. So what's speaking in tongues a sign of? Well, it's sign and evidence. Like I said, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, it says there was about 120 of them gathered together. Right? They were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall on them. And there's 120 or so gathered again. So, again, it's not just Jesus' 11 disciples or just his close believers. There was a lot of believers there. Chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Verse 3 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were all, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, it was for all believers who were there, and the Spirit gave them utterance. So again, like I said, when you're praying in the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit giving your spirit utterance. It's your spirit praying. Okay. But I want you to see it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and there's a difference between the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in you at the new birth and you being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know most of you know this, but it's still good to go over and look at from a different perspective. Okay, so there's a difference between when you become born again, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. But that's different from being filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I like how Bill Johnson said it. He says, when you become born again and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you, that's for your benefit, right? He's your helper. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. He's your guide. But when you get filled with the Spirit, that benefits not only you, but other believers around you. See, the Holy Spirit is compared to water. When you're born again and he comes and dwells in you, it's like taking a drink of water. But... When you're filled with the Spirit, it's like drinking the whole bottle of water. You're being full. You're getting filled with water, right? And with the infilling, there comes an overflow. So think of a glass of water being filled up. You're filling it up, you're filling it up, you're filling it up, and it begins to overflow eventually, right, if you don't turn it off. Um, That filling and that overflow not only benefits you but other believers around you. When you get filled with the Spirit, you receive an extra power, an extra boldness to preach the gospel, to move in signs, wonders, and miracles. So think of Peter. Before he was filled with the Spirit, he denied Jesus three times. On the day of Pentecost, after he'd been filled with the Spirit, he was speaking to all the people of Israel, 
and rebuking them and telling them to repent and turn from their wicked ways because they persecuted and crucified Jesus. Think of that boldness that he had to tell them that and to do that. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're more aware, I believe, of your Spirit and its voice. When you're aware of your Spirit's voice, the Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit about people, you know, whether they need prayer, whether they need healing, or if he wants you to benefit them. So that, again, that part of that infilling benefits them. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. Philip is in Samaria, Samaria, preaching Christ to the multitudes. There's a man named Simon who was a sorcerer, sorcerer and had astonished the people of Samaria. But in verse 12, it says, The people believed Philip as he preached, and both men and women were baptized. Simon also believed and was baptized. So, hold on a second here. Let me get to Acts chapter 8. Okay, verses 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. See, Philip preached to them. They believed they were born again. They believed Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead. They were saved and baptized, but had it been filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands, people received the Holy Spirit, he offered the apostles money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So, in this portion of Scripture, it doesn't directly say that when they were filled, they spoke in tongues. But how did Simon see and know that they had been filled and received the Holy Spirit? He saw something that registered to him that they had received the Holy Spirit. So he saw, it's a physical sense, hearing, sight. He saw something, heard something that registered to them that he had, they had received the Holy Spirit. So would tr- Simon try to buy something that you couldn't see or tell if they received it or not? I'd say no. There had to be a supernatural connection, a supernatural sign which was speaking in tongues. They began to speak in tongues. So number one, it's a supernatural sign. Let's look at number two. It's a gift. Stay in Acts chapter 8. Look at verses 18 through 20. In verses 18 and 19, Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands, they received the Holy Spirit. Simon offered the apostles money. Now look at Peter's response in verse 20. But Peter said to them, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So you see, receiving the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit and spiritual gifts that come with that experience is a gift. You can't purchase that gift with money or works, though. The only way to receive that gift is through believing. It's just like salvation, becoming born again. Salvation is a free gift, but you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess it with your mouth, right? It's the same with being filled with the Spirit and spiritual gifts. You have to receive it with faith. Now let's jump to Acts chapter 10. Okay, here Peter is at Cornelius' house, ministering to Cornelius and his household. Peter's teaching and speaking to them about Jesus. Look at verse 44. It says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all 
those who heard the word. There's that word all again. Verse 45, And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So you see here, being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is a gift for all those who believe. Say, gift for all those who believe. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. I guess you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But here in this chapter, Paul is teaching on the nine spiritual gifts. Verse 10, he says, different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. So we know here he's talking about this, one of the nine spiritual gifts, which is tongues interpretation of tongues. So on a Sunday morning when dad gives up, gets up and he starts speaking in tongues and then he interprets it in English. Or if you hear Pastor Hank and Brenda, Pastor Hank will be praying for someone in tongues and then Brenda gives the interpretation. Okay, that's tongues interpretation of tongues. Uh, I learned this from David Hernandez. There's three different variations of tongues. Okay, there's your own personal prayer language that you receive when you're filled that comes out of you. And then there's, excuse me, mom told me not to sniffle tonight, so I'm all right. Okay, there's three different variations. There's your main prayer language that you receive when you're filled. That's for all your life. There's tongues interpretation of tongues, which is a prophetic kind. It's for the edification of the church. And then there's the proof tongue. The proof tongue is what you see in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost where they all heard their own languages spoke as they were speaking in tongues. Okay, That was a miracle. Uh, I don't know how you would ex- describe it as the miracle of them hearing it. it. The miracle was coming from they were speaking it, but then they were all hearing it in their own language. Okay, This was also said to be happening on the revivals at Azusa Street as well. There was all kinds of people gathered around from the globe, and they heard the different languages being spoke. So um, so here he's speaking on tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, but he's referring to it as the spiritual gift, okay? It is separate from your own personal prayer language, but it's still a variation of tongues, and it's still a gift. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul teaches a lot on tongues and prophecy and the kind of the difference between the two. In verse 1, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. We know receiving and being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift. We know it comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is a sign along with a gift. But right there in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, desire spiritual gifts. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit and you want your personal tongue prayer language to come out, you have to desire it. You have to want it. If you have hands laid on you to be filled with the Spirit and you don't immediately start speaking in tongues, you just shrug your shoulder and go, ah, I guess it's not for me. That kind of attitude, you'll never receive it. Okay, I listened to a message by David Hernandez, and he said the number one thing that gets in people's way of having their tongue prayer language come out is an ego. So with an ego, you're not going to see that tongue prayer language come up because you're so wrapped up in your own mind that you have a hard time letting your mind go and letting your spirit flow. So, you have to want it. Why would God give his child a gift he didn't want? 
if I came home, this is going to sound like Chinese to some of you, my example, but uh, Lonnie will understand it because his son has one. If I came home and my dad bought me a $3,000 STI 2011 handgun with like a $600 Chijikon Armor Red Dot, a $300, $400 Surefire X300 Lite, write this down on the Christmas list, right? It's all said and done, probably like a $4,000 handgun. Let's say I come home and he bought that for me as a gift, right? But I came in and I saw it and I didn't really care. I didn't act like I cared or I didn't act like I wanted it. He'd probably be crushed. He'd probably be like sad and disappointed. Yeah, you you selfish brat. Like, what the heck? Thank God God doesn't think of us that way, but you know what I mean, okay? So he'd be crushed. He'd be disappointed. He'd uh, probably say, you know, give it to someone else or I'll hold on to it until you do, until you do decide you want it. So just like that, God wants you to desire spiritual gifts. He wants you to be excited for them and seek after them with hunger and thirst. If you haven't started immediately speaking in tongues when you get filled, don't fall for Satan's lie that it's not for you. Instead of giving up on it, seek God with all your heart for it. Knock on heaven's door for it. And if you have to, kick down heaven's heaven's door till you receive it. One way I know for a fact praying in tongues is scriptural and is of God and is for me and is a gift is because every I've been filled since I was six and been praying in tongues since I was six. Even to this day, as 25 years old, when I start praying in tongues, Satan will still try to get in my mind. He'll try to, you know, fill me. Oh, you're wasting your time. Like, what are you doing? You're just gibberish. It's not doing anything. It's not accomplishing anything because you can't, you don't know what you're praying about. That's all doubt. That's all unbelief. That all comes from Satan, right? Okay, so you have to desire it. You have to go after it. Developing your prayer language is kind of like learning how to speak when you were a young kid. When you were first learning as a kid, you didn't burst out in full perfect sentences. You started word by word until over time you developed your language. The same goes for developing your personal heavenly prayer language. You might only get a word out or a short phrase out, but don't give up there. Continue to press in. The more time you spend Praying out those few words or phrases, the more it will develop. The more time you spend around other spirit-filled believers praying in tongues, the more it will develop. So come to prayer on Wednesday nights and just surround yourself with other spirit-filled believers that are praying in tongues, and it will develop. Don't ever give up. Keep pressing in because it's a wonderful gift from God that should be desired and sought after. Okay, number three. So we've gone over. It's a sign. It's a gift. Number three, it's a weapon. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 4. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our weapons we use as believers are not physical weapons. They're not carnal weapons. We are called to war in the spirit. We're called to engage in spiritual warfare. And to engage in spiritual warfare, you need spiritual weapons. We know the Word of God is one of our spiritual weapons. Ephesians 6 lists the full armor of God, one of which is the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. A sword is a weapon. We know that worship is a spiritual weapon. When we lift our voice and sing and we shout praises to God, that can destroy strongholds. It can bring breakthrough. It can break chains, bring deliverance, all those different things. Along with those, prayer is a spiritual weapon, especially when you pray His Word and you pray His will. He has given us power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He has given us the authority to bind loose and to rebuke. 
we do all of that in prayer. So if prayer is a spiritual weapon, praying in tongues is definitely a spiritual weapon. Ephesians 6.18, right after Paul mentions the sword of the Spirit, in verse 18 he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So praying in the Holy Spirit is praying out the perfect will of the Father. It's praying according to His Word. It's not our own personal mind, will, and emotions getting in the way. It's the Spirit of God giving our spirit utterance. If the Holy Spirit is giving our spirit utterance, He's going to give our spirits the perfect will of God to pray. So can you see how that's a spiritual weapon, right? Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 again. Verse 2, Paul says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So some people can look at this and go, well, what good does it do to pray in tongues if you can't understand it? The thing is, Paul is not saying he's speaking mysteries to men, but he's speaking mysteries to God. So God has provided a divine supernatural means to speak to him. Another translation for the word mysteries is divine secrets. So when you pray in tongues, you're speaking divine secrets to God. That's powerful. Think how powerful that is and how powerful a weapon that is. This is why Satan hates it. This is why he's so mad about it. He doesn't want believers to have it because he can't get in on it because it's a heavenly prayer language. He doesn't understand the language or know it. There have been witches, there have been warlocks who say it's hardest to come against churches and Christians who are spirit-filled and pray in tongues. Okay, so I got an example here for you. I got my, uh, this is a ham radio don't ask me too many questions about it because I'm still learning about them, and it's about like learning how to speak Chinese. Literally, it's made in China. But um, Okay, so this is a ham radio. Ham radios have different channels, frequencies that you can you know, talk to people over, other people that have these radios. Um, but I don't think you can do it with this cheap radio, but there's way better quality versions of ham radios, uh, especially like what law enforcement use, military use. And a lot of law enforcement military today, on their radios, they have encrypted channels or frequencies. So I thought this was really interesting. This was a revelation God showed me through a radio. Encryption or encrypting something like a channel is concealing data by converting it into a code to prevent unauthorized access. So when cops are talking on their encrypted channels, other people can't get in on that channel and listen in on what they're talking about because that could affect their tactics or, you know, what their plans or whatever. Okay, so when you pray in tongues, the perfect will of God is being prayed through your spirit and it's encoded or concealed by that heavenly prayer language, right? So that heavenly prayer language is the encoding. This is so powerful because Satan in the demonic realm doesn't have access to it. They are, are, they are unauthorized access. They can't get in on it. They don't know what you're praying because you're spirit to spirit with God, praying out the perfect will of God. Again, you don't need to understand your own personal tongue prayer language because you're not praying to yourself. You're praying to God. It's a supernatural means of communication to God. A lot of times when we're praying in our own understanding and from our mind, we tend to get in there with our own will, with our own emotions, and we tend to you know, mess things up, okay? But when you're praying in the Spirit, it's that supernatural communication to God, and you, you can't really mess it up. 
Another benefit of praying in tongues is that it magnifies God, which means God is made bigger in your life. Acts 10.46, Peter just witnessed the Cornelius' house, and the Spirit of God fell on them. Verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So when you pray in tongues, you magnify God, and He will be bigger in your life. Have you ever noticed that God is usually bigger to spirit-filled believers who pray in tongues? If speaking in tongues is of the devil or is unscriptural like so many say, then why do so many spirit-filled believers seem to evangelize and lead so many people to Christ? Kenneth Hagin was talking about one of his uh, teachings you know, back in the day. It was a lot of the Baptists are always, oh, that tongue stuff is of the devil and of the devil. But he goes, then why is it so many spirit-filled Christians that are overseas and they're the ones that lead, are leading the most people to Christ? Why is it spirit-filled believers that you see witnessing and praying for people random people on the street, healing the sick, walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. Why do spirit-filled believers seem to see the most signs, wonders, and miracles? I said that. It's because God is bigger to them. He's magnified in their lives. Just like Dad's been teaching about, he is such a big, supernatural working God. And I think spirit-filled believers kind of see that more supernatural side and understand the spiritual realm. If speaking in tongues is so bad, then why does God still work through us? Why is He still moving in our services and in our lives? Why does He continue to provide for us and bless us? If it was really unscriptural or of the devil, wouldn't He correct us or judge us or His presence leave us? Another part of how it's a weapon is that when you have been filled with the Spirit and praying in tongues every day, you have an added power and added boldness that will help you resist the temptations that you used to struggle with. So if you used to struggle with a fleshly desire or temptation, the more you pray in tongues, you pray in tongues every single day. For one, you're going to be in the Spirit. And when you're in the Spirit, it's going to be easier to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, But you'll be stronger spiritually to be able to resist those temptations. Again, because He'll be magnified and bigger in your life. Okay, I can tell you there has been a few times where I've really felt our family under a spiritual tax. The few times I have has been the, actually these few times the last few years. I'll leave the gym. And I'll drive around town. I'll take the long way home, you know. I'll drive around town, and I'll just pray in tongues and pray in tongues very loudly and very boldly. And it always seems like not long after, like I get home, and I can feel that it's broken, whatever it was, that there was a breakthrough, there was a release. I can remember Mom and Dad telling um, stories back in the 80s how dark this town was, and that they were... They had a demonic attack coming against them. They were laying in bed one night, and the room became so ice cold, and the, the hair on the back of their neck was standing up. So it was a demonic attack they were facing, right? Yeah, and what did they do? They just immediately began praying in tongues, and they didn't stop praying in tongues until that went away, and eventually it broke and it released. See, you can worry about the issue, or you can pick up your spiritual weapons, and you can pray about it and defeat it. I like this. David Hernandez said that worry is the mind's counterfeit for prayer. So you can worry about something, or you can pick up your spiritual weapons and, and defeat them. Okay? Almost done here. Only like five more, five more pages, but okay. We said when you pray in tongues, God is magnified in your life. When he's magnified in your life, he'll be bigger to the people around you as well. 
So people should be able to sense something is different about you. You'll be deeper in the word. You'll speak with more power, with more boldness and authority. And this will impact the people around you. Okay, so Kenneth Hagin gave a story when he was first preaching and starting off as a pastor. He was actually a pe- preacher of a Baptist church. I think it was down in Texas, and he was real young. But at that time, there was all these revivals going around, tent revivals, full gospel, Pentecostal churches having revivals. And he was spending more time around these spirit-filled believers. And at that time in his church, there was a family. They were Presbyterian. And the man of the family said, if any of that praying in tongues stuff ever gets in our church, I'm packing up my family and I'm leaving. Well, they, that family had gone away for a few weeks or something. And in that time, Kenneth Hagin had went to one of these meetings, got filled with the Spirit, started praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. And something changed when he was preaching. There was more boldness, more power when he was preaching. And one of the other elders, I believe, of the service of the church came up and was was telling him, there's just something different about you. Something's changed. There's more power and more boldness when, you know, when you preach and teach. And Kenneth Hagin said, well, what do you think that change was? And that elder goes, I think you got filled with the Spirit and you're praying in tongues. And Kenneth Hagin goes, yep. Well, then later, I don't know if it was a few weeks later or whatever, the Presbyterian family was back in church. And after church, they, this Presbyterian man came up to that elder and goes, Man, what happened to Kenneth Hagin? He just preaches with so much more power, power and boldness now. And whatever it is, it's great. And the elder goes, He got filled with the Spirit and he's praying in tongues. And the look on the guy's face was, Oh my gosh, well, I guess, you know, whatever he's doing, it's working and it's good. So... So you can see that's an example of that added power, added boldness, okay? When you get filled with the Spirit, there's more benefits to that than just praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is that initial evidence you get, but there's so much to it that is a benefit. Okay, it'll impact the people around you. Last thing, 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Edifies himself means you build yourself up. You'll be charged up like a battery. Jude 20 says you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying according to God's will with the help from the Holy Spirit. And when you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. So it's a means of spiritual edification. Sorry, that's gross, I know. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues, it's a sign It's a gift, and it's a powerful spiritual weapon. If you haven't received this gift, I'd encourage you to seek after it with all your heart until you receive it, until until you encounter it, until that prayer language comes out of you. If you have already been filled and pray in tongues, don't think it's some minor thing. God doesn't fill his word with things that are of minor importance. Neither does he make unnecessary comments. Pray in tongues and pray in tongues every single day. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, one more thing quick, just quicken to me. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is teaching on love and how love is the greatest spiritual gift. And this this scripture is what all the anti-tongue people always quote. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here because I want you to see this. Okay, he says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. People always quote this and say, see, see, tongues, they have ceased. 
but they're not reading that in full context. Because in the next chapter over, if they really have ceased, then why does Paul say, I speak in tongues more than you all? He's not saying they have ceased, because if tongues have ceased, well, the next line says knowledge, it will vanish away. Is knowledge vanished away? Or did you go off to college to receive knowledge? Are you still trying to gain knowledge all the time? What it's saying is you can have, you can prophesy, you can pray in tongues, but if you don't have love, those other gifts will do you no good. So love is the greatest spiritual gift. But that's not saying tongues have ceased. Because again, in the next chapter, read 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. That means he prayed in tongues a lot. And if he did a lot, then we should as well. Okay? Amen. So I hope maybe this brought a little bit more context, a little more understanding, revelation of praying in tongues. This is a gift I want everyone to have because it's a powerful gift from God. Amen. I'll just pray really quick. Okay, Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time together tonight spent in your word. I thank you for softened and open hearts, Lord, that they received this word. They received it with understanding, Lord. It brought them revelation and understanding of your word. Father, we thank you for your peace here tonight. Lord, we desire your spirit. We desire to be continually filled with the spirit. We desire for your spiritual gifts to flow through us all the time, Father, so that you may get the glory in Jesus' name. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I was just a backslidden Methodist boy. My sister, Catholic, married a Catholic and became a better Catholic than he did. He was very passionate Catholic. But that was back in the 70s in the charismatic revival, and she got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues through the priest. My Methodist father flew down to Florida, came home speaking in tongues. Because the priest laid his hands on him. And I was young and impressionable, and, and I wasn't living for God, but I noticed something, and I said to my mother, what's he doing in the shower? He's praying in tongues. And that, that sign, or what I saw and experienced in him, stirred something on the inside of me, and I began to go after it with everything in me. And... Uh, I want to encourage you. I know we're going to see more people come from other denominations in the days ahead. And it's my heart as a pastor. I'm passionate. I pray in tongues. If you come in here in the morning, Abe's kind of snuck in on me. We meet once a week. And I'm either singing in the spirit or I'm praying in tongues. It's a wonderful gift. Now, you don't have to have that gift to go to heaven. But, you know, I, I would rather, let me, I'm trying to think of an analogy here. I would rather have a Culver's hamburger than Burger King. Okay, why? Because it's better. <laughs> so, when you come into a church like this, God bless you, those of you that are brave, that it, this is all new and, you know, I was talking to Margo. Did you know Margo speaks in tongues? Did you know that? 
Yeah, you do now. <laughs> Came from Georgia, Assembly of God. Married Jerry. I don't Jerry's a Lutheran, I guess. I don't know. And she said, I'd love to come here, but, you know, um, Lutherans, right? And uh, I'll never forget, Kathy, when the boys had a paper route, you helped one day, and the little old man lived on Pier Blaine. You went by the house. He was a Lutheran minister, wasn't he? Assistant. What was he doing? So, you know, you just got to realize it's, it's the will of God. We'll never force anything on you. But if, if you want to go on in your spiritual walk, and I'll, I'll read the scripture and I'll send you on your way. It says in Luke 11, I don't think you read this scripture, did you? These, how many of you got a Bible? What's red mean? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says, so I say to you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be open. Say ask. Say seek. Say knock. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Give. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. 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 See, he gives, but you got to ask for it. It's not going to just show up, knock on your door, and he's going to give it to you. You have to go after it. And I went after it. You talk about kicking down doors. I was living with a, he was 30 and I was 20. Yeah, about 19. We were bachelors and we were partiers. And that's when I got saved, felt the Holy Ghost. And, and man, I went after it. And he, he's a Lutheran. He was a Lutheran. He's still a Lutheran. <laughs> but he knew something changed. And I told him. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, uh, but you got to ask for it. So we planted some, we'll plant seeds in the days ahead, but some of you, one of these days, the light bulb's going on. You're going to say, I want that. Amen? Amen. Brad had a, what do you need to say, Brad? Just a minute. Man. I never. Why was Mike goofy or something? 
You'd see Dr. Hagen get, when I was at school, and the spirit, the anointing had come upon him. He'd, he'd do this. You know, he'd get, remember, he'd just get, his, his whole countenance would change when the Holy Ghost came on him. Amen. And, you know, I know some of you, I blow you out of the water sometimes. It's the way I'm wired. I'm loud, I'm, I'm bold, I'm aggressive, and, and uh, you know, maybe you just need to pray that my heart would be softened and I get quieter. She's, by the way, is telling me every Sunday I'm too loud, so you guys start turning me down. No, I mean it, seriously. I'm too loud. She says I'm too loud, so turn me down. But, so, don't be afraid. He gives good gifts, amen? God bless you. Thank you.